Bonjour and welcome to the Good Life France podcast. Everything you want to know about France and more. I'm Janine Marsh. I'm an author and travel writer. And though I was born in London, UK, I now live in a tiny village in the far north of France with 60 animals, including a rescue dove called Doris. Bonjour, and I'm Olivier. I'm an ex-Parisian, and I now live in the UK, west of London. We like to think of ourselves as Entente Cordiale Upside Down, Janine and I. I think that's exactly what it is. We love chatting to you all about France and all things French, of course. But enough about us. Let's crack on with today's topic. So, Janine, what are we going to be talking about? Aha, uh-huh. today we are going to be talking about fabulous French festivals and fun events. Fun, fun, fun today. So, the biggest, the best, the strangest, the quirkiest, the festivals where you can eat yourself to a standstill, and the ones where you'll have so much fun, you'll want to go back year after year. It is true that we French just love to celebrate, well, um, everything really, and we do it all year round. So, let's get festive, people. The Good Life France podcast. Everything you want to know about France and more with Janine Marsh and Olivier Geoffrey. No one has any idea how many festivals take place every year in France. There are literally thousands, possibly tens of thousands. I don't know, there could even be hundreds of thousands. For me, living in France, being an ex-Brit, it feels like everything is an excuse to celebrate, have a bit of a party, for people to get together and share in the fun of honouring something from the humble chickpea to Bastille Day. We would dedicate an entire episode to Bastille Day, but we won't talk about it too much in this one for that reason. Some festivals, though, might only attract a few people and some might attract hundreds of thousands of people. Ollie, do you have a favourite festival? Yes, I have. As a matter of fact, it has to be the Fête de la Musique for me. It's held every 21st of June, the day of the summer solstice, and there are hundreds and hundreds of free music concerts all over France. There are professional musicians and amateur musicians taking part, and every kind of music from accordion to electro music, choir to operas, and everything in between. It's really, really good. Uh, I love it. Most of the performances are open air, in streets and parks, museums, train stations, and even in shops. The Fête de la Musique in Paris is actually super good. It's not a huge time, so all day and all night you can walk from an area to the next, enjoying all the types of music. I've done that so many times, really, it's great. And how about you, Janine? I love the Fête de la Musique as well. I usually go to Le Touquet, which is like one of the bigger towns near where I am, although it's not that big. There's always like music in the street, music in all the buildings, even in the post office. I really love that. But as to what is my favourite, oh, you shouldn't ask me that because it's really, it's just too hard. This time of the year, I love carnivals. I love Nice Carnival. It's fantastic. It's one of those blow the winter cobwebs away festivals and it's such a feel-good event. I always take the train everywhere I go. So I arrive from Paris in Nice. It's held in February. So normally I'll have left under grey skies and rain, sleet, snow, you know, freezing cold. And then you arrive in Nice. You get off the train and there are blue skies and then there are people eating outdoors in T-shirts and relaxing on the beach. It's like arriving in another country. It's so different. And then just down the road about the same time is the Menton Lemon Festival, where they make huge sculptures and uh, parade floats created from oranges and lemons. It's probably the only recipe in the world that uses 145,000 kilos. That's about 320,000 pounds of fruit for a festival. 
And not only that, soon after, there's the Cannes Film Festival where the beautiful people go to see and be seen. But I must say, for me, um, Cannes isn't all glamour and glitz. If you go there, definitely make time for the old town, which is just lovely. There are winding hilly roads lined with pastel-coloured houses and little cafes. They lead up to a hilltop castle. When you stand there, you get wonderful views over the city and the sea, the little islands just off the coast of the Cairns shoreline. And there's a fabulous market as well, which absolutely should not be missed. See, you've got me going now, Ollie. You've asked me what's my favourite, and it's it's really, really hard (laughs) because I also love Dunkirk Carnival, which isn't like any other carnival I've ever been to. There are no grand floats, but there are giants that walk among the crowds and they're singing and dancing and Apparently, it's the noisiest carnival in France because there's so much singing and kissing. There's a ton of kissing going on as well. You know, la bise, the greetings kiss you do on the cheek. And everyone does it at this carnival. You're not strangers here. You're friends. That's Dunkirk. And everyone dresses up so you see all sorts of sights. And it goes on for a few weeks with dances in the town hall at weekends. And then on the Sunday before Ash Wednesday, there's a big parade in the town where the giants are singing and dancing. And at the end of the day, this really quirky thing takes place. So the mayor of Dunkirk gets up on there into the town hall on the balcony and he or she, whoever is mayor at the time, chucks a load of smoked herrings down to the crowd like, you know, smelly smoked fish. And everyone tries to catch them to take them home for their tea. I mean, Dunkirk Carnival is, is really, really different. And uh, we love our giants here in the north, which is where I live. And one of the weirdest fates I've ever been to is the baptism of a newborn giant. So here we have these huge wicker giants and they're like five, six feet tall, maybe even taller, actually. And they attend all the carnivals and events. And they've been around for centuries here. They used to be uh, biblical figures that were depicted, but now there are all sorts. I've seen fishermen, Roman generals, all sorts of different characters. Anyway, Giants here, they get married and they have babies. So in the town of Graveline on the coast of northern France, near where I live, a giant called La Metalotte gave birth to a baby and the town held a huge party for her. It was amazing. There were bands, the mayor made a speech and so did the local beauty queen, which, you know, was a bit unexpected, but very French. And then the mayor welcomed the midwife to make a speech. And she came out and told us, oh, the baby weighs 12 kilos, about 26 and a half pounds. Wow. <laughs> yeah, she was the biggest baby ever, I think. <laughs> and uh, she was 2.32 meters long, which is about seven foot six feet tall. And then everyone was cheering and the baby was carried out by six very strong men. She was wearing a long dress. She had full makeup on this baby and she had long blonde hair, which was all curled, beautiful. And then a priest came and conducted a blessing and he scattered holy water over the crowd. And then she was paraded around the town and we all followed her and people were chucking sweets to the crowd. I have to say, it was quite mad. I was quite new to France then. It was still my first year in France. And uh, and I knew then that I was going to love all festivals and never be able to pick a favourite. So there, that's my answer. <laughs> that's a good answer. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Uh, this uh, carnival is a bit uh, mad. That's definitely the, the right <laughs> word. <laughs> And talking more of uh, giants, how about the giant omelette festival in Bessières in southwest France? 
every Easter Monday, they don't eat chocolate eggs here, but uh, real ones, 15,000 of them. They are made into a giant omelette. It's so big, it takes 50 volunteers to make it, uh, one and a half hours just to break the eggs. Uh, and uh, they're steered with a telephone pole in a giant frying pan. Oh, I love that. Wow. Can you imagine doing that? That's fantastic. Yeah, I can yep. picture it. It's, uh, it's really weird. <laughs> yeah. but efficient as well, I guess. So why do they do this? Uh, well, Napoleon Bonaparte stayed the night with his army close by. He stayed in a local inn and uh, the innkeeper made him a delicious omelette. Napoleon was so impressed, he ordered the townspeople of Bessières to gather all the eggs in the village to make a gigantic omelette for his army the next day. So that's why. That's amazing. But, you know, France does love giant things anyway, because I know another giant thing. The French claim to hold the world record for the biggest strawberry tart ever made. In fact, they make it every year in the town of Beaulieu-sur-Dordogne in Limousin. And the French also claim to be responsible for the delicious sweet taste of strawberries because apparently, I read, the common woodland strawberry was known in Roman times and grown in Europe since early days. But it was only much later that the sweet red strawberry we know today was cultivated. Uh, in France, strawberries are called fraise. And in 1714, Amadee François Fraisier which sounds like fraise, doesn't it? I wonder if that's where the word fraise came from. Anyway, he was an explorer, mathematician and naval military engineer for Louis XIV. And he went to South America to spy on the Spanish who had ports there. When he came back from South America, he bought some strawberry plants from Chile and he gave them to the gardeners at the King's Royal Gardens in Paris, which if you've ever been there, they are, or if you've never been there even, they're absolutely stunning. Uh, the, the King's Potager, which is near the Chateau of Versailles, really beautiful don't miss it secret place anyway the fruit that they brought back from south america was white it was quite large it's about the size of a small egg apparently and not particularly tasty but the paris gardeners sent the plants to Brittany, where they were crossbred with other berries that were grown around the town of plougastel near brest and they produced the succulent tasty strawberries we know and love today anyway in beaulieu sur dordogne every second of may there is a, a fête de la fraise everything strawberry and they make an eight meter seriously eight meter 27 feet wide tart that uses 800 kilos which is about i don't know 1800 pounds of strawberries now i love strawberries and i love strawberry tart but i don't think even i could eat a whole one but you ollie <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, I do love that as well but those numbers are just crazy <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's massive, this tart. It's like the size oh, yeah. of, a, of a Renault van. You know, it's massive. And now, something different. Chickpeas, or as we French say, pois chiche. Yes, even this humble little pea gets uh, its own festival in France. In Saint-Maximin-la-Sainte-Baume, in Provence, each year there is the Fête des Pois Chiches, organized by the Confrérie du Pois Chiche de Rougier, the brotherhood of the chickpeas. Chickpeas are what soca is made of, like a superfood in the south of France. You can get soca chips and pancakes and all sorts. Uh, and uh, at the festival, you can uh, get everything chickpea from chickpea uh, tapenade to chickpea wine. And you can also get truffles at the festival because the town of Rougier, where the brotherhood comes from, is also famous for its truffles. Yummy. I love that brotherhood of the chickpeas. Yeah. That's just brilliant, isn't it? Near where I live, um, they grow 
cauliflowers in marshland in a place called Saint-Omer, and they have the uh, Brotherhood of the Cauliflower. They also have the Brotherhood of the Potatoes. So I think most people might know that there are brotherhoods of wine, you know, especially like Burgundy's famous brotherhoods. But actually, there's almost a brotherhood for everything. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a brotherhood for onions and leeks and everything else. I'm going to look it up after this. But anyway, enough foodie festivals because you're making me hungry. Let's instead go to a Sonne Lumière. I love these sound and light shows. They're really popular in France and they actually take place all over the country. There's one at Chartres, which is where the great Gothic cathedral is. And at, when they have this Sonne Lumière, it's all lit up and so is the town monuments. You just walk around and there's music and lights, everything shimmering in the colour of rainbows. It's really, really beautiful. Uh, they also have it on the wonderful cathedral at Armien in the north and Orléans in the Loire Valley. I love all the castle ones too, talking of the Loire Valley, like Azelorido, which comes to life after dark in the summer and, you, and it makes you feel like you've gone back in time because there's like soft music drifting on the air and it floats across the moat and the castle is awash with colour. And then in Blois in the Loire Valley as well, there's a wonderful Sonne Lumière at the castle, which tells the history of the building got a very dark past and uh, many royals have lived there. So that's a spectacular one for me. Yes, no one does a son et lumière like us, French. And there are so many festivals in uh, castles and monuments too, like the Festival of Avignon, which presents theatre, exhibitions and more, including at the 14th century uh, Palace of the Popes. It's a monumental building and for around 80 years from... Uh, 1309 to 1377, several popes made this the center of the Catholic kingdom instead of Rome. It's an extraordinary history and an extraordinary festival. And at Versailles, even, there is an annual ball that anyone can attend. Those tickets are pricey and you must wear costumes in the styles of the 17th to 18th centuries and be masked as well. So be prepared. But not all festivals and fêtes are so glamorous. Did you know we have a pig squealing contest in France, Janine? You're not telling porkies, are you, Olivier? <laughs> Sorry, I can't resist that one. <laughs> so yes, there is a, a cri de cochon pig squealing contest held each year. It's uh, human competitors imitate uh, amorous pigs, uh, suckling pigs and pigs on their way to pig heaven. Of course, the contestants are also dressed for the occasion, as you would do, complete with ears, tail and teeth. But there can only be one winner, and often it is a man called Noël Jamais, a native of Normandy, whose impressions of a breastfeeding pig, complete with small <laughs> toy piglets, yeah, this is all true, obviously, okay. are legendary. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that he's uh, available for squealing at weddings, anniversaries and birthdays. We are in a complete new dimension of contests here. And this is actually performed by the world champion of pig squealing, Noël Jamais himself. Wow. I would never know the difference between Monsieur Jamais and a real pig, unless I saw them, of course, and then I probably could tell the difference. There are actually loads of events that celebrate animals in France. One of my favourites is the uh, Mademoiselle Bull and Monsieur Coq contest. I have about 30 chickens, so I love anything to do with chicken. 
but this particular competition is one for chickens and cockerels who compete for the title of the most beautiful. My neighbour Jean-Claude was going to enter one of his chickens and it's a really, really pretty chicken called Princess, but she has a foul temper. Sorry. (laughs) I couldn't resist it. I couldn't stop myself. Oh, sorry, not sorry. But anyway, she's got such a bad temper that you had to withdraw because the contestants have to be well behaved too. (laughs) It's becoming worse and worse. (laughs) Yes. And how about escargot? Yeah, escargot snails. Uh, Snail lovers will rejoice if they visit the picturesque town of uh, Ossenbach in Alsace at the very end of April, not very far away. The annual snail festival is a serious affair here, so much so that uh, the town even has its very own brotherhood dedicated to the humble mollusk. People come from far and wide for this two-day event with highlights including traditional music and dance, local beer tastings, and the all-important snail tasting. The festival also features a traditional snail race <laughs> which takes place on a custom-built course. You may laugh, but we actually have a snail race in my little village. I mean, like, <laughs> seriously, there's 150 of us. And a couple of years ago, my neighbour, Jean-Claude, he gets everywhere, doesn't he? And actually, his nickname in the village is Monsieur Partout, Mr. Everywhere, because he, he does seem to be everywhere. Anyway, each year, due to him, we have a little snail race on the village green. And there's a you know like a few dozen people turn up. It's not big. It could be the smallest festival ever. And um, we race our little snails. To be honest, there's not much racing going on. It's quite slow. And then we put them back in the garden. Well, I do. I'm not sure about my neighbours. Mm-hmm. They might eat them. <laughs> I don't Maybe, want to go yeah. there. But I think they might eat them. But um, yes, I do not eat my racing snails. I put them straight back in the garden, which is probably foolish because they eat my vegetables. But anyway, I figure they deserve freedom after that. There's just so many festivals, aren't there? I mean, you know, to, not all about animals. There are kite festivals. There are boat festivals. I'm going to the Rouen Armada this year for the first time. Nice. It's only held. I know. I'm so excited. It's only held every four to six years, and ships come from all over the world to Rouen in Normandy, along with 8,000 sailors. And the whole city takes on a festive air. The streets are decorated with flags. There are free concerts and fireworks. Oh, honestly, I can't wait. But if you want to go, it's on from the 8th to the 18th of June. But they're not all as big as that either. I mean, there are straw sculpture festivals in my bit of France, at least. And uh, here, all the villages in the Seven Valleys where I live compete to create the most amazing straw sculptures, animals, trains, ballet dancers. I've even seen a dancing bear, actually. All sorts of things made from straw. It's just amazing. It is. It is. It's very rich. How about the Marathon du Médoc? This marathon race runs through uh, the Médoc vineyards of Bordeaux, where people dress up in wacky costumes. You might spot Asterix le Gaulois, Bart Simpson, or Ewok from Star Wars. They have a new theme uh, every year. But even more unusually, the marathon includes 23 wine stops and degustation, the French word for testing. Uh, degustation stops along the route, offering uh, delicacies such as the fattened punch of pig uh, at the halfway mark uh, and Cap Ferry oysters at the uh, 38 kilometer stage. And as you approach the 39 kilometer point, you'll spot uh, a roadside sign of a car. But don't make the mistake of thinking it's an indication of a cattle grid. It means that there are stacks on offer. Spectators <laughs> thirst cheese and ice cream cornet at two and cups of lily 
a fruit liqueur made close by uh, in Ponansac. It's absolutely <laughs> true. I, I just love that. I went to that marathon once to write about it and they, they invited me to join in. They said, you know, do you want to run with us? I was like, nope, I have, have not drunk enough wine to consider myself trained <laughs> for this event. Absolutely not. But there is one marathon I'd like to run in, which is the uh, a half marathon race in the Marne Valley, the Champagne area. And they actually give you glasses of champagne as you run around instead of water. Good. That's a spirit. Yeah, it's so civilized, isn't it? <laughs> and talking of races, we can't not mention the big one, the Tour de France. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the most popular race in the world and beyond, obviously. <laughs> Get that in. If you're tuning in for the first time, you may not know that Olivier, being a Frenchman, believes that there, if there is life beyond Earth, then all life forms will love France more than any other country in the world because it's the most popular tourist destination in the world and beyond. <laughs> This is true, you know, I'm sure of it. <laughs> well, the Tour de France is uh, 120 years old now, uh, and this year actually, and it has been called the greatest free show on Earth. Yes, and maybe beyond. It's oh, watched yes. by more than three <laughs> billion people worldwide, not including the aliens. Not just for the cycling, but uh, for the scenery of France as well. Did you know that the late uh, great Freddie Mercury of Queen wrote Bicycle Race in 1978, inspired by the Tour de France? Mm -hmm. Anyway, we won't talk too much about the Tour de France because uh, we will do a whole episode about it in a little while. Please, Janine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have to. I mean, the, I know a bit about the Tour de France because I've written about it several times. So I know there are some amazing facts and figures on it. So, yes, definitely we're going to do that. But we're going to slow it down now a little bit for the Fête de la Dande, which is <laughs> the turkey set. Okay. We're back to animals. This is the yeah. turkey festival, which is held in a little town called Leek, which is not far from Calais in the far north of the France. And every December... And, you know, we haven't even mentioned Christmas markets, which are very festive, but that's, you know, we have to do a whole episode devoted to Christmas markets. But I will tell you about the Turkey Festival now. Of course, it involves food. This is France. There is a big marquee, a huge tent with loads of food, wine, beer producers. You can taste, you can buy everything you need for a delicious French foodie Christmas. It's also a big lunch tent where there are up to a thousand people who enjoy a sit-down lunch and dancing, old school style with vintage music, lots of ballroom moves. But what makes this festival different is that the town, which is famous for its turkey farms, holds a turkey parade. It's quite great because um, on their posters they say, come and see the turkeys rampage, but <laughs> I assure you they do not rampage. The town and the company that owns the turkey factories, they let dozens of turkeys out to run through the main street of the town and all of them are allowed to live they are not sold for christmas dinner and they're not hurt or scared either they're not like in amongst the crowds who come to watch they're carefully herded and it's just beautiful it's a lovely authentic heartwarming event they also have an enormous cauldron that's so big it has to be stirred by a man who stands on a ladder and he stirs it not with um, a telephone pole like you know your omelet earlier but with a massive 10 foot long spoon that's so big, two men have to stir it at the same time. And then they ladle out hot liqueur for everyone to enjoy for free. Truffles, eggs, fruit, bread, onions, pumpkins, wine, champagne, beer, you name it. If you can eat it or drink it, there's probably a festival 
honouring it in France. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) Honestly, I think I could write a whole book on the festivals of France and I've never met one I didn't like. Now, you know, we could talk for hours about French festivals, yeah, that's true, but we hope we've given you a flavour of the fabulous uh, fun fête of France in this episode. Got a question about France? Well, ask the experts. We reply to you in each episode. And we do it for free. And now it's time for the Q&A part of the podcast where you ask the questions and we answer them. That's why it's called uh, Q&A. Clever, isn't it? (laughs) So, (laughs) Janine, what is today's question? Our question today is from Peter Tankington, who lives in Washington, USA. He says... I'm going on holiday to France for the first time this year, and I read in your book, he means me, because um, I wrote about this in my first book, My Good Life in France. So he read that it is the law for men to wear tight swimming trunks in public swimming pools. He says, do I really have to wear them on the beach too? So, Ollie, do you think true or false? Well, it is true that we men have to wear itsy-bitsy tight trunks like shorts, speedos, <laughs> uh, you call them, I think, in uh, public swimming pools uh, indoor. We call them uh, a slip de bain or uh, a boxer. We are used to it, but I know it is a culture shock for some people when they arrive and try to get in the water wearing their normal, not very tight shorts, and they are told, no. But uh, no, you do not have to wear them on the beach, only in public uh, indoor pools. You're right about that. It's a culture shock. It's a, it can <laughs> be a shock all round, to be frank. But it is true, as apparently it's more hygienic to wear teeny-weeny, speedo-style trunks like professional swimmers wear. This goes back to a 120-year-old law when public pools became more available to everyone and the law has never been changed. And it looks so much better not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to comment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I know you can picture it, though. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) This is the Good Life France podcast. Oh la la, le podcast The Good Life France. Tune in for the next episode when we'll be talking about the Eiffel Tower, Paris monuments and more fun stuff. You can find me at thegoodlifefrance.com, where there are thousands, yes, thousands of articles about France and all things French, from culture to gastronomy, history, and heaps more. And on the website, you can sign up for the podcast and our free magazine, The Good Life France, which you can find at magazine.thegoodlifefrance.com. And you can find me at parischanson.fr, the only radio station playing the French classic songs of the 40s, 50s, and 50s, 24 hours a day. It goes really well with a nice cup of coffee and a pain au chocolat. It's true. I listen to it while I'm having my coffee and pain au chocolat. So for now, it's au revoir from me. And goodbye from me. Speak to you soon. The Good Life France podcast. Available on all podcast platforms. On thegoodlifefrance.com and on parischanson.fr.com.